And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on Blaze Podcast Network. My name is Cam Edwards. I am joined by the lovely and talented and crack shot, Miss E. Yes, me and my handy dandy Henry Little 22. Uh, and it's, and it's, uh, what is that? It's a lever action. It's a lever action. Um, have taken out three groundhogs thus far this year. Yeah, and like really in the past two weeks. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that on the uh, 40 Acres in a Fool podcast this week. We're also going to talk about what's going on in Oregon. Um, had somebody that I follow on Twitter uh, talked earlier today, or, or this is, you know, Thursday of uh, uh, June, what is that, 27th, about a protest that was taking place in Salem, Oregon. Massive crowds of rural Oregonians, loggers and farmers uh, heading to the state capital of Salem to protest this cap and trade bill that they say would punish them for sure. And in many cases, put them out of business. And they feel like rural voters are not being listened to, which is something that I'm actually seeing here in Virginia as well. We've got a special session coming up in early July. Governor Ralph Northam wants to pass a bunch of gun control bills. Uh, recently, there was a roundtable discussion that was supposed to be kind of stacked in favor of the gun control groups. But uh, instead, in Abingdon, Virginia, which is southwestern Virginia, you know, rural part of the state, there was almost unanimous opposition to these bills. And none of that matters to the people who were supposed to be there listening to what the people have to say. So I, I want to talk about that this week. We've got a couple of uh, emails to get to 40 acres and fool. No, 40 acre fool at gmail.com. Yeah, 40 yeah. acre fool. 40 acre fool at gmail.com. I should probably change that. Uh, and we, that's the email address. Snail mail address, as always, is P.O. Box 817, Farmville, Virginia 23901 Feel free to send us cards, pies, uh, jellies. Be careful with, because yeah. the last time we got the jellies, they they broke. But okay. uh, we got in a we got a sticky explosion of broken stuff in a box. Exactly, so. and I don't want to um, I don't want to ignore the elephant in the room. So I, I'm not going to not talk about the fact that uh, NRA TV is no more and Cam and Company is no more. But I can't really say much. Because we're still, we still don't know we everything. Have no so, idea what's going on, right? So um, <laughs> I'm just kind of, kind of leave it with thank you very much for all of the outreach and all of the folks who have, um, you know, chimed in to say that, uh, you know, the blaze should pick up Cam or Cam should go here, Cam should go there. I'm going somewhere. I'll tell you that <laughs> I'm not going away, and uh, my reporting on the Second Amendment is not going away. We are at such a critical juncture. Uh, in terms of our right to keep and bear arms that, uh, you know, and, and, and if you listen to this program and if you listen to Cam and Company, you know that I'm not overtly full of myself, but um, we need a program like Cam and Company right now. Uh, we need to know what's going on with our rights and with the fights for our rights. So I am bound and determined to get back to doing that just as soon as I possibly can. And I'll let you know what's going on. You can listen here. Um, you can send us an email again, 40 acre fool at gmail.com. And I'll be more than happy to uh, answer your questions, but did not want to ignore that. 
Yeah. Uh, that, that sort of, you know, big event in our lives this week, you know, <laughs> right? So uh, having acknowledged that big event in our life this it's week. the universe going, ha, 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 it's not enough that she has cancer, but let's go ahead and do this now. Well, Oof. I think it was more like, uh, okay, so she got good news, so now you can <laughs> handle this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would see it that way. The, the, the big news here on the farm, I mean, besides the obvious, um, has been that we moved the goats to their new space this past weekend. Yes, it's where we used to have the pigs, and it's so it's kind of ruddy, but it's also got these, you know, gigantic jungle-sized tree bush things. <laughs> right. I mean, it's got it's got the huge like Jurassic Park weeds. Yes. Like right that are low to the ground, but they've got like three foot long leaves. Yes. Then we've got a lot of little scrub, uh black walnut and black locust trees that are growing up. And they just love them. The, yeah. They're it's so funny how wide Twilight has gotten just in the couple of days that she's been in. Because I was kind of worried that it was bloat, but you say it's not bloat. It's just her. That's what happens down. when it's well. It's like when that's what happens when you get put into a fresh pasture. You just chow down. Yeah. There's nothing they could do about it. They, but she seems you know, fine. She's fine. She burps and farts <laughs> when she's up on the milking fan. She's just fine. Uh, yeah. But it is like a little uh, farm paradise for them because again they've got a lot of stuff they like to eat up. Yep. Uh, goats do. They'll eat off the ground. Obviously, but uh, but they really like to eat up. So they've got lots of stuff to stand up on and eat. They've got a good mix of sun and shade. Yeah, they got, uh, and and some of the bushes are such that they can kind of. They've got like little hidey holes that they can, they right? can get in there in the heat of the day. They're just hiding underneath the shade trees. So. And, and they're a lot closer to the milking stand now, which is yeah, nice. That's nice. Not uh, to walk so far back and forth. And I don't have to stand in the uh, in the mosquito infested part of the farm, so I'm I'm much less bit this week than uh, than when we talked last week. Yeah, you'll be more sun uh, exposed to the sun, but yes, yeah. Well, we milk early enough in the morning and in the evening that it's not you know direct sunlight. No, that's, so that's true. That's true. But I'm the I'm still the goat bouncer. Yeah. Uh, we did actually uh, Miss E found a gate. Yeah. For the electro net. Yeah. So this is really cool. So this is through Premier One fencing. Um, but it's 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 an actual gate that you can install and you can leave the fence on right while you open and close the gate and it's so everything stays hot so they're less inclined to act like buttheads and try to stick their head through the fence thinking that they're going to get through a tiny little square <laughs> which is what they've which been is doing what our dumb goats keep right. doing so what we do right now since we don't have a gate is you know when we we just join two fence sections together and we've sort of close them with a little a bungee uh, yeah just a bungee and so every time we're getting these in and out it's undoing the bungee lifting up one side of the gate or one side of the fence and where we have them right now it's closer to the house and it's closer to the driveway and so the fence line has a lot of gravel yes uh, right under the grass and, and it's so like it's pounding a new <laughs> hole in the ground every single time every single need time to pull it up and wrenching it from the ground so you know, trying to hold on to a goat to get her back in, trying to keep the goats in there from getting out, wrenching up on the... You can just see how wonderful this is uh, um, some mornings. The other morning, I th- where I think three goats got out, but I... Yeah, I wasn't around for this one, so it's not my fault. No. One was still on the leash. Two ran over to the milking stand, so I grabbed the one on the leash, put her in, got it locked up and, lo- and turned on, went over... To the one that was on the milking stand, 
got her neck trapped so she couldn't go anywhere, <laughs> grabbed the other one, put her on the leash, and tied her to the hammock. And so, yes. You did a great job. Uh, yeah, I, I managed it, but I was just like, you do not bring me joy. That that <laughs> lady who organizes your house says if something doesn't give you joy, you should just get rid of it. And I'm like, goats? But, You're not giving me joy. Well, I well, know. They aren't but, giving me milk. But the cheese in the fridge is giving me joy. I right. have chevre. I have feta aging in the fridge in salt. Um, I'm going to make some more. I've already eaten a batch of yogurt. I'm going to make some more yogurt. Oh, good, because so. I didn't get any of that first batch, so Sorry. that's good. No, it's all right. The, the tester batch. So now you get the, you know, now I know how to make it. It'll be just perfect. <laughs> and I've been, uh, you know, so last year, not last year, but the year before last when you were milking goats, everything that we had was basically raw milk. And we didn't have any issues no. at all. But this year, I've just been a little concerned with Missy and the chemo. Uh, you know, weakening the immune system, so she has been pasteurizing. Yes, the the milk. Yeah, so we're I not have we haven't been drinking any of the milk. It's all been going towards cheese. And this weekend, you want to make soap, soap right? Yeah. I put um, I pasteurized. I'm just following the directions. They said the pasture even doing pasture something with resetting the proteins, yada yada yada. For even for making soap. Uh-huh. Um. So anyway, they said to pasteurize the milk and then freeze it because even though it's called cold process soap making. The combination of the lye water and the milk, you want the milk to be mostly frozen. Otherwise, it'll turn up like a burnt caramel. Oh, weird. Yeah, because the lye gets super hot. Okay. So you want it to be like a slush. Okay. So, yeah, we're going to try to make soap because if, let's see, it's late June. It has to cure for eight weeks. We'll have Christmas presents. (laughs) Well, Christmas presents or... Uh, maybe for sale. Stuff in the Etsy store. It's something that you could have to give as a Christmas present, dear listener. Uh, because, yes, Miss E finally has an Etsy store. I'm so excited about this. Yeah, I really, I, really am. I'm calling it. It's called Corny Goat Crafts. Right now, there's just a couple of baby booties because that's just what I've been bored knitting making. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to post more pictures. The app surprisingly doesn't allow you to post a listing from your phone. So I'm having to send the pictures really? to my computer and log on. Yeah, I I haven't figured it out yet, and it doesn't seem to make any sense. Huh. Um, you'd think that that would be a thing. You you would. But, I'll have to take a look. But, that, yeah, that doesn't seem But weird. anyway, um, I've got that, and then there's somebody else said I have to put those crazy hats there, yep. and then maybe the little crocheted goats. So more stuff will be added as... I as, think you should do potholders, too. I don't know if anybody really buy a pot holder. I bet they would. I don't know. They're kind of fun. made by you. Eh, maybe. I don't know. Or Especially coaster, the bigger ones. Right? Because I've got... So that we. So this... It's Harris... I've told, We've talked about it before on different ones. You can do a, a, a Google search for, you know, pot holder, cotton loops, Harris... I can't remember. It's like Harris something... It's a company. They make mm-hmm. the loops. Yeah. But they make yarn and other fabrics. Okay. Um, and they sell it on Amazon, but they have a bigger one. So when you're a kid, you make this little tiny square that's so silly that you're like, is this really a, a useful sized potholder? No, the it's kitchen? not. A, no, it's a coaster. It's In our house, they make great coasters. Right. And because they're fabric and they're cotton, they're really great for when in the summertime, when you get that sweaty glass problem, mm-hmm. when the room is warm and your iced drink is, is sweating. Um, so I use them as coasters, but the company also has what they call the Pro Pot Holder, which actually makes one that's what I guess it's about a, what it's an inches. actual pot holder. It's yeah. an actually big size that makes a great pot holder trivet. They, I've thrown them in the washing machine. 
So, I'm just saying, I think a set of four corny goat coasters would be a pretty good Etsy item. Oh, yeah, maybe. I think I could so. Figure some out. Yeah. Yeah. And I could actually probably do that so I could contribute. I could be your little sweatshop labor. <laughs> <laughs> so we could not double our output, but we could add to, <laughs> add to our it. output. All right. So, again, it's just if you go to Etsy, just search for corny, corny goat, goat crafts. crafts. It's all, they, it all has to be one word. So it's just corny goat crafts. Okay. Awesome. Well, like I said, I'm excited. Um, we did talk about t-shirts a few weeks ago, and I did talk with the artist who is uh, doing the artwork for the t-shirts. Okay, and good. Hopefully the artwork's going to be in the mail on Monday. Okay. So um, probably in the next couple of weeks, we'll be offering up t-shirts for sale as well. Mm-hmm. And you will have, I think, initially your choice of uh, a pig, a bacon seed, um, a goat, or a dog. Okay. That'll be the first three options that we uh, that we produce here for the Corny Goat Farm t-shirts. And then maybe a Corny Goat Farm logo. And then maybe a 40 Acre and a Fool t-shirt. <laughs> and then maybe a shirt that says, make stuff. Right? Yeah. Because that's the one that we were talking about. So if you have any design ideas, <laughs> you can feel free to email us at 40acrefool at gmail.com. If we use your design, we'll give you a free t-shirt. How about that? Hey, that'll work. Okay, so uh, getting back to what we had uh, first talked about, what's going on in Oregon right now. So there's this cap and trade bill. Uh, First of all, I I need to set up the legislative situation in Oregon. There is a super minority of Republicans. Democrats have a super majority in the legislature, so they can pass whatever the heck they want. Uh, The only legislative tool that Republicans have in their toolbox right now is to deny Democrats a quorum. And in order to do that, they have to leave the state capitol and hide, basically. <laughs> and so that's what um, that's what Republicans have done. They have fled the state capitol. They have, in many cases, fled the state of Oregon because Oregon Governor Kate Brown has sent the state police to come and find those Republican lawmakers. And so a lot of them are in Idaho right now. By the way, Governor Kate Brown, when she was in the legislature, she did the same thing. Oh, Democrats have done this too. Okay. So this is not a, a partisan. I mean, I don't necessarily like it. Democrats did it a few years ago in Wisconsin. Um, we've seen uh, Texas Democrats do it over the years. But it, you know, so again, I, I don't necessarily like it, but it's sort of the in case of emergency break glass, last, you know, desperate move of a super minority. Okay. And so, or June 30th is the last day of the Oregon legislative session. Republicans say, we're staying away. Uh, if need be, until the uh, session is over, because we're not going to vote on this. The reason why they're not going to vote on this is because rural Oregon is saying it's going to cripple industry, it's going to bankrupt companies, it's going to decimate uh, a part of the state that is already largely ignored. I mean, you know, Oregon's population base is Portland, uh, and then probably Bend, Oregon. And Bend, I think, is where uh, Nike is located. Okay. Um, and so, you know, the the eastern part of the state, the more agricultural part of the state, where where ag and forestry and logging are the big industries, there aren't as many people living there. But they're being treated like they don't matter mm. at all. So, uh, again, I, I ran across... This morning, you're going to... You just heard that uh, beginning of the soundbite. I ran across a guy that I follow on Twitter, uh, Derek Josie, who is in rural Oregon and uh, tweeted out a little video message 
before this massive convoy of uh, rural residents started heading to Salem, Oregon. And here's what he had to say. This morning, you're going to see a lot of log trucks, tractors, big equipment on the highways and the freeways, all heading to Salem. Rural Oregon is making their voice heard. You probably aren't going to see it on the news, though, because the last thing I saw was an article talking about how some domestic terrorists in the state Senate are stopping progress from being implemented. If that's the kind of language you want to use to describe 11 senators that are speaking up in the only way they can for their rural communities, that's not the America I want to live in. I want to live in America where rural and urban communicate and understand each other. What this bill has done has drove a wedge right between those two. It's unacceptable. So there you go. That again is uh, Derek uh, Talks to Cows Josie. Uh, Derek Josie on Twitter. D-E-R-R-I-C-K-J-O-S-I. And you could hear... You can hear that frustration in his voice, you know, like, first of all, uh, you know, the only way this is being covered in most of the media is, oh, these domestic terrorists are, you know, standing in the way of progress, which, you know, completely denies the rural residents uh, frame of mind. I mean, you're not allowed, you know, all of a sudden you've just completely said, well, your your whole mindset is uh, unacceptable. Yeah. You know, and That's- that. Really, calling somebody a domestic terrorist? I know. Well, there was there was one state senator who said when the governor uh, said, I'm going to send the state police to, to track you down, the state senator said, make sure they're bachelors, which was seen as a, you know, somebody tries to come get me, I'm going to fight back. Mm. So don't send a person with family. Okay. Um, and so that has been. I thought she was maybe thinking she wanted a date. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that was. I don't think that was it. Um, but again, the reason why the tensions are so high, I think, right now, is because these voices aren't being heard repeatedly. Uh, repeatedly, you know. Again, I, I mentioned what's going on in Virginia, and look, I don't want to get into. This is not going to turn into a whole big discussion on the trans movement. No. But but think about the percentage of the population that identifies as trans. And Democrats will listen to every one of them. Right? I mean, every one of those voices every matter. crazy, tiny percent of the population. But, the you know, let's say it's 10% or in Oregon 15% or 20% of the population. Those voices all of a sudden get ignored. Right. And I think that's wrong. If you're going to listen to everybody, listen to everybody. Yeah. Um, and, and again, this 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 palpable sense of frustration, I think, is is not just found in Oregon. But I talked about what's going on in Virginia. So our special session begins July the 9th. And we've got, uh, you know, uh, at least eight gun control bills. that governor Northam wants the legislature to vote on. Republicans have a one seat majority in both the Senate and the uh, assembly and the speaker of the house, Kirk Cox has said, we're not going to vote on any of these bills. Uh, we're going to vote on truth and, you know, on, on mandatory minimum sentences. We're going to vote on things that we think will actually make a difference in reducing crime as opposed to these gun control laws that are aimed at people who are illegal gun owners in Virginia. Mm. The Senate 
uh, majority leader has not committed yet to not voting for these gun control bills. So there is extensive lobbying going on. It's also an election year in Virginia. And the redistricting that was done a few years ago is going to benefit Democrats. Mm. Uh, and that redistricting was just upheld uh, by the Virginia State Supreme Court, I believe. And so Democrats are favored to take back the legislature. And they're trying to use this as an issue in you know urban and, and suburban Virginia right now to portray Republicans as cold and callous and they care more about their guns than their kids. Mm. And again, when they go out to these roundtable meetings uh, in places like Abingdon or a few months ago in Lee County, Virginia, which is also that's the farthest southwest county in Virginia. That's like it's like more west than Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Yeah, right. Virginia goes a long way. It's the little skinny part, right? Um, So, again, very, very rural area. They don't have enough money to fix the holes in the ceilings in their schools, right? Um, They wanted to have armed school staff who were volunteers who would get vetted and who would undergo training to protect the kids because they don't have school resource officers. And it's a rural county and the sheriff's office might be 20 or 30 minutes away. Right. The attorney general of Virginia, Mark Herring, said, no, that's a violation of state law. You can't do that. And told them the only way you can protect those kids with armed security is to hire a school resource officer that they can't afford to do. Right. And again, to me, that's another example of ignoring rural voices. I mean, these are moms and dads who care about their kids and they're worried about the safety of their kids. Right. And some bureaucrat in Richmond, not a bureaucrat, some elected official in Richmond wants to score points with, you know, moms man action in every town for gun safety. And so ignores the, the, the will of the people in that particular community to provide their own security for their own children. Like, yeah, that doesn't seem like it makes any sense at all. No. Could they hire somebody at a zero salary? Um, and totally get around it. No, it's no, because it's the amount of training, under Virginia law, only certain designated individuals like, you know, officers of the peace or there's one phrase that the school district is trying to use to say, well, these armed teachers would would be constables of the peace, I think, or something like that. Um, and the attorney general says, no, uh, that, that doesn't apply to uh, teachers, even if they have, you know, training. Um, so basically, you'd all, you, you have to have, according to the attorney general's interpretation of Virginia law, the only people who can carry a firearm at a school um, would be law enforcement officers. Yeah. Right. So I, I just, it, it, it worries me because, you know, rural Americans are not a majority of this country and haven't been for a really long time. And I kind of get the sense that, you know, among the, the most extreme folks on the left, like they'd be happy if people didn't live in rural America. We're harder to keep track of when we've got that independent streak. If they can replace us all with, you know, robot uh, tractors and, you know, or even plants grown in, 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 you know, cities and meat grown in test tubes, they'd be fine with that, even if it meant the destruction of rural America. All right, I'm going to climb off my soapbox. Sorry, I got in a bit of a rant there. <sighs> But I understand it. It's 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 a little like a, a cancer that's spreading through the country that less and less 
little people's voices are being heard because it's not necessarily about the right thing to do. It's more about the popular thing to do. And not even popular for everybody, but popular, no, popular for a particular for the, for that group politician. of people. Right. Popular for that particular politician to do. Yeah. Like he's going to do whatever's going to make him the most popular with, you know, the people. With their can, base. Yeah. Right. But not with the not with general population. No, not, with the, not with them over there. Because they, who cares? They don't vote for me or their votes don't count. Right. They're in some podunk little whatever. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I get it. Yeah, it's frustrating. It is frustrating. You know, I, and, and Missy and I had um, planned on actually getting involved in our county Republican Party uh, during this election cycle. You and I had even like talked a little bit about one of us running for a supervisor position. But then it got really convoluted. Virginia is so weird. They've got you, you can either uh, hold your election via a primary or a convention. And it got really confusing about when you actually had to submit your letters and I, I so I missed the deadline. You missed the deadline to, uh, well, maybe to file. Maybe next time. Yeah, well, the, yeah, there'll be more offices open. But I mean, I think you and I have both, you know, felt like we want to. And in a rural county, I think it's you got a smaller population, so it's easier to, to actually use your voice if you want to. Yes. But I think we both decided we kind of want to start using our voice a little bit more. Well, I also want to make sure that people realize that not everybody who lives out in the middle of nowhere is, you know, there's there's stereotypes. There's people who automatically think of people who live in the country as being, you know, a certain kind of way. Right. And we're not like that. No. You mean like... Um prejudiced and bigoted and those sorts of things right yes yeah you know, rednecky <laughs> racist you know whatever anti-gay all the other anti-things right. i don't care what color you are you know it's it's like you said it's the not the color of your skin it's the content of your character you're right well, yeah. well that's one of the things that i actually like about living out in the country one of the reasons why we wanted to move to the country is that you can be who you want to be i mean we have friends who are hippies you know, right? We have we have friends who are sort of the um, more survivalist type, the prepper type, right? Yes. Um, but again, in the in when you've got the space to be yourself, you can be yourself, and you're not up in other people's faces, annoying them all the time. <laughs> so people, I think, become more annoying in theory, but less annoying in practice, right? Because in theory, you're like, I want my space to myself. But in practice, you tend to get along with your neighbors. Yeah. When they're not up in your grill all the time. When or you don't look out your front door or and you see 28 HOA other houses. Exactly. Because your gutters are dirty. Right? So, again, which is, I'll go off on another tangent. This is why I'm such a big proponent of telecommuting and, you know, high-speed rural internet and go Elon Musk with your satellite internet that's going to be screamingly fast. Because once that, once you get that, then you really do open up the near frontier to more people. And, yeah. and I know people who live in the country are like, well, I don't want that. And I would say, listen, I last time I drove from uh, Farmville up to Washington, D.C., I can't tell you how many farms that I saw with for sale signs. Right. Lots of houses for sale. Right. Lots of houses that have been for sale since we've moved here six and a half years ago that are still for sale. Exactly. So before you worry about it getting overcrowded, yeah. let's just try to worry about stabilizing the population. Right. Um, and if Farmville went from 5,000 people to 10,000 people, that'd be a big change for Farmville. 
but it still very much have a small town feel. Oh yeah. Right. Totally. There are ways to bring people back into these small towns without changing the character of the small town. Yes. And I would love to see that be a, a movement as a technology progresses and allows us to do that. I think that that would do wonders for our civic participation, for the ability to get along with our fellow Americans, to just have a little more space, to not be up each other's faces in micro apartments stacked 100 stories tall, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, if that's what you want. No, go for it. Go for it. I'm not I, I'm not in favor of, you know, forced migration to rural areas. But <laughs> but I think that there are a lot of people who, given their druthers, if they if they didn't have to worry about driving to work, if they didn't have to worry about being close to the city for X, Y and Z, they would prefer to have a little more space. Maybe not 40 acres, yeah, but four or five. Go, you know, grow your own vegetables, have a couple of chickens, have some couple of fresh eggs, you know. How often do you really, it's like, it's like people with homeschool people, do you really get all your learning done in a day? I'm like, yeah. Imagine how much time your kid is wasting going between classes, back and forth, going right. back and forth for this, this meeting, this presentation, this other thing. How much do you think they're really doing all day? So it's kind of like that, you know? Yep, exactly. All right. So uh, let's get to an email here from Aaron. Who has a lot to say? Says, uh, Cam, do you take requests regarding topics for forty acres? Sure. I mean, I, I can't guarantee we'll we'll do it. Yeah, we're not going but... skydiving. <laughs> we still have bugs that we have to eat. Do you know that? Well, that was just somebody being funny. That wasn't. That was, was well, they, that supposedly they, a dare. They, I don't know. Yeah, I think they sent us freeze dried bugs as a dare, and we were supposed to eat them, like vacuum sealed and everything. They're I'll, still in the kitchen. But. I'll do it next next week. Tune in next week because Cam eats bugs. There's a there's a tease for you. Uh, anyway, Aaron says somewhat off subject. However, you still seem to be the best to, uh, to consult. So now we've got a Second Amendment question. And ordinarily, I would say, well, you know, this isn't for Second Amendment stuff, but you can't listen to Cam and Company right now. So you know what? I think we'll go ahead and ask uh, answer this question. Uh, Aaron says, I see people from both sides of the gun debate relaying false information, as is everyone else. Uh, granted, he says the antis are exponentially worse. There are pro-gunners as well, advertising information that's flat out wrong. Aaron says, as a federal firearms licensee, as a gun dealer, it's my job and responsibility to know federal law as well as my state laws. It's also prudent for me to know a state's laws if I'm shipping a firearm to another jurisdiction, although that should be the buyer's responsibility. Always check the checkers. Aaron says, knowing pro-gunners combat the antis with quote-unquote facts, some are in fact not. When I see and hear people with their own shows and broadcasts interviewing lawyers and the lawyers say the same falsities, I have the urge to correct them. On the other hand, I can't really see this helping the other side either by calling out this misinformation presented by our pro-gun side. I've tweeted one of the lawyers in question his false statement, but never did get a response. Uh, Aaron says, the question is, how does one deal with knowing that both sides are promoting blatant false information? One size, uh, One side does it to dramatize the numbers. The other side does it because they don't know the law. He says, my dilemma is how does one deal with the frustration of knowing the facts about a topic and a subject, but knowing that by bringing up the facts is not going to help the pro-gun side. Grr, says Aaron. Well, you know, listen, Aaron, I, I'm a big believer in um, the facts. So if you hear and, and you know, if, if you go back and listen to what you just said about these two sides, you say one side is presenting false information out of malice. Right. With with malicious intent in order to benefit their cause and uh, further the anti-gun agenda. The other side, you say, is doing it out of ignorance. 
right? They don't know what the law is. And so they're repeating or promoting false information. Um, you're probably not going to win a fight and try to get people to not maliciously lie about the facts because yeah. that's part of, that is part of the anti-gun toolbox, unfortunately. Um, but I, I don't see anything wrong with correcting information that is put out from a position of ignorance. It's happened to me on occasion, uh, you know, where I've said something that turned out not to be true. And uh, not you. I PM. know you'd think I'm infallible. No, I know you're not. <laughs> wow. I can't believe you even said that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, that's happened to me and I've been corrected and I appreciate the correction in all honesty because I don't want to be wrong and I don't want my audience to, to be wrong. So you may have run across a guy whose ego got in the way of his uh, desire to see, you know, an honest discussion of the facts. I would not let that prevent you from trying to do the same in the future. You don't have to be a know-it-all. You don't have to, you know, point it out and, and, and insult their intelligence. But, but there's nothing wrong at all with giving people the honest, correct information. Well, I was thinking for the liars, though. Yeah. Can you just ask them to cite? A fa- well. Yeah, I mean, you can. Give me an example of that. Well, they don't have to. I mean, you know. Oh. When, right. Yeah. Okay. Then they just insult you, you know. You must be a racist Nazi. <laughs> exactly. Your beard makes you look like you'd make moonshine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a skinhead now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the only skinhead with biracial children. Uh, anyway, and then Aaron has a a, a bit about um, a a water machine that uh, I'll send to you, talking about uh, changing your, the pH level of your your body and hopefully helping to fight the cancer. So I'll share that with oh, you okay. as well. Uh, anyway, thank you, Aaron, for uh, writing in. It is good to hear from you. I also want to say thank you to Greg. Who wrote in to say, uh, uh, glad that you're still doing this podcast, at least. <laughs> and uh, and James in uh, Colorado, as well, our friends in Colorado Springs. Now, James says, um, Denise and I just finished listening to your latest podcast. It was so encouraging to hear the news that Missy's tumors did not grow since the last scan. That is awesome. Thank yes, you. it is. Fist bump. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, the news at the end of July will be even better. That's what we will be praying for. Thank you. Uh, James says, it's funny how my thoughts on living in rural Virginia have morphed over the last year or two. Hearing all the news from the corny goat farm in your podcast had me longing for what I envisioned to be a bucolic existence in farm country. Being an engineering professor, I was even looking at job listings from Longwood University in Farmville. Mm-hmm. But lately, I said they had a listing for a math teacher that I read with serious interest. But lately, with all your talk of ticks, Flying ticks, no less, and hordes of mosquitoes. My enthusiasm has taken a serious hit. <laughs> Here in Colorado, he says, we can leave the doors and windows open all night in the summer with no worries about critters coming in, except for mountain lions and bears, he says, which is why we don't. He says, so we will continue to cheer you on from a distance. That's fine. Uh, proud of your hearty family and my ancestors from Bedford, an hour or so west of you. <laughs> Resolute folks who can shrug off ticks and mosquitoes and embrace farm life with all its challenges. Um, I did tell James, uh, I sent him an email earlier today and I said, listen, don't let the talk of ticks and mosquitoes turn you off. It is really a great place to live. And I would love to have you as a neighbor. So, you know, it's very humid today. It is. It's been like mid nineties. It's been so great up until now. We've had, 
you know, in mid June, we've had days where the highs are in the 70s. Yes. Which has been lovely. But it's just normal summer now. Now it's 94 degrees and it's about 80% humidity, yeah. and you step outside and you just start sweating and it's gross. It is gross. It's they, very gross. Now I know why you always wear a ball cap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you got your do right. It sweats it, up it as does. soon as you go outside. It's got, and it's like, got nowhere to go, so it just runs down your it's face. It's just so nasty. <laughs> Ugh. I know, yeah, you caught me. That's why I have the do-rag on my head when I'm milking now. Because hey. the sweat was going every on my back of my neck, and it felt like bugs were on me. Yeah. Just like, oh, this is horrible. I mean, I've gotten, when I'm out this time of year, and I'm, you know, working in the yard or doing whatever, my hat will get so sweaty that the brim will drip. Oh. Right? I mean, like, I the that rim that's well nowhere hydrated. near my, my <laughs> actual face it's yeah. It's, yeah. So on that disgusting, sweaty note, <laughs> we will uh, wrap up this edition of Forty Acres and a Fool here on Blaze Podcast Network. Thank you again for being a part of our lives. Thank you for listening to this program. Thank you for being a part of the community, not just the company with uh, Cam and Company. And uh, again, when I know more about the day job, I will let you know. In the meantime. Uh, please encourage all of the Cam and Company fans that you know to subscribe to this podcast and they can get caught up with what's going on. And uh, don't forget to visit the Corny Goat Crafts Etsy page, yep. which will be f- filling up with more hand-knit goods from Miss E. And something. And something. And something. And maybe some soap in a little bit. Stuff, yeah, right. And other stuff. <laughs> and and t-shirts. Stuff. And Who knows? doodads. Yeah. And doohickeys. All kinds of stuff. Exactly. All right. Well, until we talk again, uh, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot. And make stuff. And we'll see you here soon with another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from Blaze Podcast Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. 